Hi, this is Hong Kong Design Book Club and I'm Soyeon. Welcome to our book review episode number 3. Today we're going to review Sprint, How to Solve Big Problems and Test New Ideas in Just 5 Days by Jake Knapp with John Swarovski and Bretton Kowit from Google Ventures. The book is published in 2016 from Simon & Schuster and it became New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller, also translated in more than 20 languages. It's definitely one of the most successful books in our industry. Design Sprint has spread in our industry really quickly for the last few years. Many well-known companies already embraced the process and you can easily find a lot of workshops that introduce how to start Sprint for your challenges. Design Sprint is a structured 5-day process to identify your problems, create ideas and prototypes, and test out the solutions to clarify the next step. It became so popular in a short term because it works. Jake Knapp and team built a recipe that's refined with more than 100 sprints. I remember when I first experienced 3 hours mini version of the sprint, I really liked the idea of having silent yet limited time that we can develop each individual's ideas and also boarding with dot stickers so we don't need to focus on pitching we just need to concentrate on creating better ideas and i started to believe these socially awkward yet efficient activities can maximize the outcomes hong kong design book club is hosting world information architecture day and this year we invited tomomi sasaki from aq paris with a design sprint expert and had some time to walk through all the five steps with the theme, design for a difference. Everyone enjoyed the activity so much and also ended up with so many ideas on how we can make our city easier to navigate. I hate when we spend a lot of time on endless meetings and discussions and eventually end up doing the wrong thing and totally waste everyone's time. I've experienced bad brainstorming sessions where a few people with a loud voice keep shouting out and other people sitting quietly. After this, we feel like we've done something great and had a lot of fun, but it usually turns out it was not that productive. See how this book describes these painful meetings. You know those meetings. The ones that go on and on, wandering off on tangents, burning up time and energy. The ones that end in a decision nobody's happy about, or worse, end without any decision at all. Someone comes up with a solution, the group critiques it, someone tries to explain the details, and then someone else has a new idea. Jake Knapp found these group discussions and brainstormings are problematic. He was not sure how he can know brainstorming works. A big pile of sticky notes and having fun couldn't guarantee good outcomes. He started to build his recipe with more focus on individual work and just the right amount of time. His team in Google Ventures kept running sprints with startups, experimented with the process, and examined the results. Finally, they completed the new recipe with 5 days, around 7 people, carefully designed time limits for every activity from targeting the problem to testing out the solution. It's not a magic spell, but it's a really well-structured process and obviously effective to find clear directions. So when we can run Sprint? It works well when we want to identify potential risks 
and where stock were lost. Because it's a whole five-day process, it needs to involve many people. I don't think it's suitable when everyone just understands the company's visions and roadmaps really well, and they all know what to do. Or when someone just wants to try out the cool thing that Google and a bunch of other companies do. Quoting from the book, you can run a sprint anytime you're not sure what to do, or struggling to get started, or dealing with a high-stakes decision. The best sprints are used to solve important problems, so we encourage you to pick a big fight. It is best to start planning on sprint when there is a concrete problem or when you don't even know what the problem is and feel stuck. Then what do we need to prepare for the sprint? First of all, we need a challenge. When it's high stakes or not enough time or just plain stuck, it works. And team. The author mentioned he once tried with 40 people and he knew that's too much. From his experiences, what he's suggesting is around 7 people, including decider, finance expert, marketing expert, customer expert, tech logistics expert, design expert, and facilitator. Including decision maker is important here because we don't want the situation that we spent whole five days and worked so hard on a certain solution and then the CEO comes along, doesn't like the conclusion and just flip the whole thing. We also need to set time and space. To be focused and productive, we need to secure everyone's time from Monday to Friday and devices are not allowed. We need to get big whiteboards because it's more productive when everything is simultaneously visible Adding to sticky notes, markers, pens, and printer paper, time timers could be a good purchase because it visualizes the time remained and helps us finish activities on time. There is a detailed list in the book and also on the sprintbook.com so you can use them as a checklist when you're stocking up on supplies. So the first day. Monday is for mapping out the problems and pick an important place to focus. Discuss a long-term goal, list questions, and make a simple map with the actors and actions in it, and then identify the target scope by expert interviews and decider's pick. List questions that start with how might we, then group and vote questions, and finally pick a target. Tuesday is for sketching competing solutions on paper. Everyone can present three-minute demos on products or services for inspiring solutions. The team can capture good ideas during the demo, decide the scope to create solutions. Shoot for more quantity here by using crazy eights, which is folding A4 paper in half three times, and fill each in 60 seconds. They need to be self-explanatory and anonymous because other team members will look at these ideas and vote later. A quote, on Tuesday, we are not asking you to sketch because we think it's fun. We are asking you to sketch because we are convinced it's the fastest and easiest way to transform abstract ideas into concrete solutions. Once your ideas become concrete, they can be critically and fairly evaluated by the rest of the team without any sales pitch. Wednesday is for deciding which solutions to prototype. Exhibit all the sketches on the wall like an art museum and vote with dot stickers so we can visualize how team members think. 
As I mentioned, I like the sticker dot boat. Some people are just really great with pitching, but we're not evaluating people's pitching skills. What we want to do is just picking good ideas. Silent voting eliminated the process of explaining ideas so we can screen better ideas without biases. Then take 30 seconds to critique each idea, decide the final one, and draw short storyboards. Thursday is for creating a realistic prototype. My favorite part of this book is chapter 13, Fake It. Because many UX books recommend adapting testing with low fidelity designs such as paper prototypes or rough wireframe with boxes and arrows in it. They are great when we internally discuss ideas with people who have understandings of design processes, but in real life with real users and clients, I don't think they work. They don't believe or understand rough sketches and usually react like, what is this paper thing? Where is the real design? Why didn't you add some real images here? This book told me about this fake it philosophy that the prototypes should appear real. It's okay if it's just people facing part and nothing's properly working in the back end. I love this movie analogy. Most films were shot on a set on some Hollywood backlot. That saloon behind the cowboy? Just a facade. An exterior wall with nothing behind it. For testing purposes, I totally agree that what we need to create is good-looking facade, not sketches with placeholders in them. Another advantage of creating a facade is that it can be done real quick. People get attached to a certain idea the longer they spend working on something, and it's harder to accept the truth if the idea is not a very good one. So it's important to find Goldilocks quality, which is not too high, so we don't need to spend weeks and months, not too low, so people can believe the prototype is real, but just right. Friday is for testing the prototypes. With testing out with five people, there will be some patterns. The team can find the direction and can learn which idea is not worth spending time to further develop and which idea is worth it. It's usually easy to figure out the next step at this moment. Sprint is also valuable as it can create a co-creating culture in your organization so it can shift how we work in a more creative and collaborative way. What's interesting about this book is there are a lot of case studies. How Saviok built a robot's personality, how Blue Bottle Coffee created their online store experiences, how Slack decided their onboarding processes, how Fitstar created their introductory video clips, or how one medical group created a reception experience for families, etc. These real-world stories and fun analogies help me understand better about how design sprint works, but also it was just so lively and simply fun to read. It's also great that everything is extremely organized and manualized. Checklists, activities lists, times assigned, and everything you should know are thoroughly listed in the book, and facilitator tips are also useful. The FAQ is also useful and worth checking when you're considering to run the whole thing or slightly tweak the process. That's it for today. If you liked the episode, please like it and subscribe us. Thank you.